Welcome to Get the Feck Out, a podcast for wannabe expats. If you want to move to another country, we want to help you. I'm Tara Calliman, an American living in Ireland with my family, enjoying the crack. I'm Caroline Donahue, an American getting ready to move from Los Angeles to Berlin with too many pets. Join us for episodes with practical tips and advice born from our experience getting the feck out. Here's the show. Hey, welcome back to GTFO podcast. I'm Caroline. And I am Tara. And today we are talking about work. You know it. it, you might hate it, but it's the thing that can um, help get you to another country should you desire to live and work someplace new. Yeah, unless you're independently wealthy, we figured you'd probably want to find a job. And if you're independently wealthy, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But if you are... Welcome. We welcome, and we would love to have your advice if you want to write to us. <laughs> We're accepting donations, I think. Is We're also accepting, saying. yeah, advice, investment, yep. guidance, all of that. But for today, those of you who want to find jobs, this is what we're talking about. So given that yes. Tara has had more experience in this area, I think we're going to go with her experience finding a job as well as the research that my husband and I have done on our own job process as we prepare to go to Berlin. So I'll let Tara talk a little bit now about thoughts she had when wanting to move to Dublin and finding work there. Yes. So I know it can seem rather daunting. Um, sometimes just looking for a new job in your own country is can be a massive undertaking. So doing it uh, in a whole different country where you may or may not know anyone, um, it can seem it can seem like a big thing, but um, it doesn't have to be. And so <clears throat> I have some questions that I sort of asked myself and did a lot of thinking around before I even started looking for jobs. And one of those was whether or not I wanted to stay in the same industry. Um, and this one I think is a good one because moving someplace else can give you an opportunity to try something new. Uh, you can branch out. Uh, but it's also a really nice chance to just sort of reinvent your career, if you will. Do you know, like it, you could stay in the same job or you could try something completely different. And for me, what that meant is that I wanted to, um, I'd been doing tech startup marketing for about 10 years. And so I kind of wanted to branch out um, and see what else I could do with my marketing career. And for me, that meant uh, working in an agency. I didn't have any agency experience. And so I thought that was something that would be uh, very useful for me. And so this was my opportunity to sort of pivot and, and check out that area. I think this is a really good thought because this is also something to remember. In particular, I can comment on my husband's job search as we've been preparing to go, which in a similar vein, he'd been working in Los Angeles in television and movie animation and motion graphics for 15 years, basically. And I think that something people tend to do is to underplay the value of their experience when they're in a market that's super saturated with that skill set. So Tara, who is one of the top tech influencers in Boulder, clearly has some sexy skill set and it's really easy for people like my husband where there's people who work in entertainment everywhere in Los Angeles. But when you have a list of clients you've worked with like DreamWorks or 
Oprah or other names that people would know, like he has freelancing all this time, that can look really enticing to a foreign employer. So what we found is that when he started to apply for jobs in Berlin, they got back to him really quickly and wanted to talk to him because it's far less common in Berlin to get somebody who's worked for DreamWorks in LA. We went to a brunch and literally everyone at the brunch had worked for DreamWorks if they had worked in that industry. So it's a good way to differentiate yourself in a market if they have the kind of work or even a related field of work from what you have. Yep. That's a very good point. And depending on what country you're moving to, um, being American can really help you out in that in that area as well. Because um, they know we're workaholic. Maniacs. Well, that's, yeah. And I feel like we're also <laughs> sort of um, uh, trending with a lot of um, our technology and a lot of the things that we're doing. So you can take some of that knowledge and sort of um, go into a market that's looking to upskill, up-level themselves, and you can, you know, kind of play your experience as an advantage there. So I think, yeah, so this would be question, do you want to stay in the same industry? Do you want to branch out? Um, Also looking at if somebody was talking to you who was not you and interviewing you about, well, what's your experience like? How would they feel about your experience? Because everybody feels like their own experience is not that glamorous and it's no big deal and it's really not that interesting and whatever. Um, But if you were to imagine somebody from an alien, for example, if you were explaining to them, well, I've done all of these things, just write on a piece of paper all the things you've done, like you're explaining it to a space alien. And then see what that skill set sounds like and how could you pitch that to somebody in another industry? Because it might be a little more glamorous than you think. Also, ask your friends. Ask your friends, preferably friends in separate industries, what do you think about what I've done? And have them make a list of the skills that they think are important. Yep. That's a great idea. Um, I think also for people who don't want to switch industries who are pretty happy with with what they're currently doing. Um, one great question to ask is whether or not your company has openings in other countries. Um, if they're willing to, if maybe they are looking to build a presence in a different country, because um, that can be a very, obviously, a fantastic way of um, moving to another country is if someone else is footing the bill for it and paying your relocation expenses. Huge deal, yeah. as we will talk about in a future episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. For those of us bootstrapping it, um, yeah, you definitely um, kind of look at those people who get all of their moving expenses paid and you're like, oh, that would have been one way to go about doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, if you, the ideal scenario, I think, would be to find a company that's a large enough company that they have an office in a new industry, but it's a much smaller office or a developing office. So you're able to play a larger role and, you know, you might be able to try new skills and expand your skill set in a new office that's smaller, much more than you could in, you know, a really established company that everybody is in their own little area and everything's running along. So that is a really good opportunity if you're looking to expand your skill set, but maybe not leave the industry entirely. Um, And then additionally, depending on where you want to move, doing some research into which jobs are trending 
in that area or what they seem to be hiring a lot of. Um, for example, in Dublin, I knew that there was a huge tech boom going on. And so I was able to sort of, I mean, there's tons of companies that are either just starting out, you know, so we have startups, but then also major, major um, tech companies, Google and Amazon and Facebook and, you know, all, all these sorts of companies have offices there as well. So I knew that I was going to be able to get a job in tech, um, which is interesting because I ended up not taking a job in tech, but it was like, you know, I knew that there were a lot of jobs available. And so that was something that was intriguing to me because I figured it'd make the process a lot easier. The other thing to know, I think the Similarly, what I researched in Berlin is looking at what the country values and what the country is willing to grant visas for. So similar to Tara getting what's called a critical skills visa, which is skills that the country really values. I'll let her say more about that in a minute. But also I clarified and, and researched that in Germany, in particular, they're very interested in people who are native English speakers and who are willing to teach English. And I was interested in teaching English to adults um, and to business people. And that's something that they really value given that the EU conducts so much of its business in English. Um, so many people want to learn English. There's a huge demand for people teaching English. And as a writer and somebody who deals with language, this was a job I was really interested in for a long time. So it that ended up being a really good match because there's a lot of work available. It's something I would enjoy. And it's related to what I do, but not exactly what I do and is something that the country wants. Yep. That's, yeah, that's a fantastic example. You're going to be such a good teacher. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. And that's, so I think, oh, I ahead. think that brings us to the visa question, mm. which I think is an important part because visa and work are so tied together pretty much everywhere. Unless you're, you have to be either a citizen or have a visa or have a green card or have some sort of permission to live in a country and to be employed there and to make money there. That's just something that you have to have from the beginning. So there are two ways to go about it. One is to get a job that will grant you a visa and that will handle the paperwork. The other one is to get a visa on your own that will then allow you to work. Um, Tara's going at it from one end of the line. I've been going at it from the other. So maybe we'll start with your experience, Tara, of getting the visa through a job. Yeah. So um, I because I had done my research and I had one friend who was working in the tech industry, he is the one that uh, sort of... Uh, introduced the idea of the critical skills visas. So I did a lot of um, uh, digging into that. And basically in Ireland, for a certain number of um, skills, for a certain number of jobs, um, they have something called a critical skills visa. And these are for people that um, they, they there, there are a lot people that um, they really need, basically. So we're talking about lots of jobs uh, around tech. Um, there was some, I think there was some finance jobs listed, but it's, it's just very interesting. Basically, the things that aren't on there are um, like servers and teachers and like nurses and, and people that they like, you know, they have enough of those sorts of, of people in, in those occupations. So um, I knew that I had a way in if I could get a job that met the criteria for the critical skills visa. So knowing those criteria allowed me to 
make quick work when I was talking to recruiters because I knew exactly what what my salary needed to be. I knew what I could and what types of jobs, like it had to be a full-time job versus a contract uh, job. And then um, I, like I just, I, I was pretty informed about the process. So I knew going in that I needed certain things in order to make this happen, which was nice to be able to articulate very early on in, in the interview process with these companies. Um, so what I ended up doing was getting a job that fulfilled all the criteria for the critical skills visa, but I ended up filing all of it on my own. I used an expediting company here in Dublin, and they are the ones that uh, arranged everything for me, submitted all my paperwork, got all my documents in line. And I did that because I was afraid of doing it myself because I really didn't want to fuck anything up. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was worth the money that was spent. But um, yeah, the one the one thing that I did not know is that I had to leave the country in order for them to process my work visa. So that was the one thing that escaped my research when I was... <laughs> There's always going to be one thing. There's always the going to be something like leaving the country. Um, but yeah, so I... No, uh, no, no. So uh, that was... Yeah, that, that was my process, was sort of knowing what I needed to do to make this sort of visa happen, and then making sure that I followed all the steps and did them in the right order to, uh, to actually get the work visa, which I did. Yeah, I think it's really important to research. There are steps, and really, there's a series and an order and a way that things need to happen in order to get the visa processed for work. So by contrast, in Germany, we know there are several types of visas. You can get a visa that's tied to a job, but it is also an option to get a freelance visa in Germany. You can get, and what you have to do is you have to get letters from at least two companies saying that if this person was legally permitted to work, then I would hire them. I would be interested in working with them. So you have to, in addition to all of the other paperwork that you provide, you have to show that somebody wants to hire you basically for them to give you a visa. Um, and there's an order in which this needs to happen. And you need to make an appointment with the embassy. You have to make the appointment for when you arrive. You have a three-month tourist visa. I mean, it's important to know how long you have once you arrive in the country to interview. So that's something to research. Like, okay, how much time do I have? When does the clock start? And you know, what do I have to do in that time? So we know that from when we land on September 6th, we have three months, you know, of tourist visa available in, in which time that we have to convert that to another kind of visa for us. So that's something you need to know when you're doing this, um, in addition to interviewing and finding jobs and whether that's a, whether that's a full-time permanent job or whether that's a freelance job. And usually it's tied to an industry. Like people can get a visa because they're there to teach English, for example, that's tied to that kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you, you basically want to do a big research session on this and get as much as you can. And ideally, we're very lucky in that we have a friend who is a translator for the EU who lives in Berlin. And we have a friend who's a lawyer in Germany, both of whom have been very kind in responding to our neurotic, abs absurd, fear-based questions that get sent to them over WhatsApp like many times a day. Like the time I thought, oh, if we bring the cats and we get there and we screw up the visa and what if we come home for Christmas and we can't get back in and the cats are in Germany and we can't get back to them. Like this is, this is the kind of stuff that I wake up worrying about. <laughs> 
And they're like able to say, okay, here are the steps that we can do in order to resolve this. And this is not going to happen. It's going to be fine. So as much as you can, if you have a contact in the country that you're moving to, who can be generous and you can offer to cook them many, many meals and maybe donate an organ if they ever need one, that they will answer the questions that you have in the process is a huge, huge boon that we have had. And I recommend it to others. Yep. And um, for a lot of people, the job that they get a lot of the times, if they um, hire a lot of Americans, the jobs will take care of the entire visa process. I yes, that is not, the gold standard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is when working for Google actually becomes an attractive option. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. As much as you can create that kind of opportunity, if that's the kind of job that you're qualified for and that's the kind of industry you want to work in, it's awesome. So yeah. I would shoot for that as much as possible. Um, for those of us who are not, I don't know, Tara, you're more likely to work at Google than me, but. I think that (laughs) being able to work for that is great. Um, So I think with that in mind, with all of that, we have some sort of practical tips of things you can do right away that Tara very helpfully um, listed out in our our notes that we've prepared for this episode. So I want to run through some things that would be good steps to take even before you're getting there, when you're just starting to think about it, when you're like, okay, I need to start looking for a job. So if you can share some of the great steps that you took, Tara, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, So I know we all like to make jokes about LinkedIn, but it can really actually be beneficial and be your friend in a situation like this. Um, It is a global platform. So, you know, you can look for jobs all around the world. And um, so my, I mean, my first suggestion is to work on your LinkedIn profile to make sure that everything is up to date. You have the recommendations and your most recent work and everything's keyword optimized and all of that jazz. But really like make sure that you're putting your best foot forward because um, a lot of these recruiters and a lot of these people looking um, especially internationally like they uh, they don't have time to to dig around and and um, like try to find the best stuff about you like you need to put that front and center so um, and additionally um, on the other side of that is to start looking for jobs using the the job search function within LinkedIn to see what who's hiring what kind of jobs are they hiring for start reaching out to recruiters let them know that you're looking for a job when you're going to be there that whole thing you can even set up phone interviews ahead of time do you know like it could be sort of a headache with the time difference and stuff but like it's very possible to do things like that and then you're already sort of getting into the mindset of interviewing you're making some contacts before you even arrive in the country yeah i think that's huge and if you're in a job that where it's okay for you to share that you're looking, if you can put that on your profile, that you're a job, you can have a job seeker account, put that you're willing to relocate. In fact, yep. you're eager to relocate. Um, and also looking up jobs that you're interested in. A lot of times they will have a recruiter associated with it and just reaching out directly to the recruiter and saying, I'm really interested, interested in this job as well as any job like this job. in this location is a good way to start. For sure. And um, additionally, look at your current network. Look at the people that you know that you've worked with in the past. Has anyone done a move like the one you're planning? Maybe not to the same country, but have they taken the steps and done something like that? And if so, reach out to those people and see if you can ask them some questions. Um, How do they go about doing it? 
um, because that's I, it helped me immensely to have a friend who is already living in Dublin to sort of talk to me about the steps that he took to make it happen. Amazing. Well, you also did something very smart, which was you wrote a blog post about what you were planning to do and posted it and actively asked for contacts, which I think was a really, really smart choice. Yeah. And that actually yielded some surprising results because I had people that I had been, you know, like maybe I worked with a few jobs ago and we were still sort of acquaintances and friends, whatever. People reach out to me and like, oh, let me introduce you to this person. Oh, my brother's roommate from college lives there now. I'm happy to, you know, to do an intro for you. And I ended up having a job interview with one of those people and I ended up not taking the job, but it was, he was a fantastic contact and he was someone that I could talk to like the second week that I was in Dublin, you know, and just already having uh, friends introduce you to people they know is, I mean, even just like outside of professionally, but socially, it's just a fantastic thing, a great resource. People won't know to help unless you ask. Yeah, as soon as you can start talking about it publicly. So if you're in a job and you haven't given notice or something, you know, obviously you can be a little more careful about it. But I think that as soon as I had given notice at my job, and I know as soon as you had given notice at yours, with the clear decision that this was going to happen regardless, um, then I think blast it. Tell everybody you can get your hands on because you you do. You never know. I had a friend of a friend say, oh, I know these people there. Or we have other friends who've given us a whole list of people. I mean, I think we probably have 15 to 20 people to connect with in Berlin now, which, mm-hmm. you know, only a few of which we knew directly ourselves. So that's a huge thing. People don't know to help you unless you tell them that you're you're going. And the added factor, I would say, um, I don't know if this was your experience, Tara, but it's definitely been ours, is that people love this kind of story. So as soon as like my entire work, my Instagram following jumped like 25 people when I left my old job and said, hey, I'm, it was really lovely working with all of you. If you want to stay in touch, here's my personal email or I'm on Instagram a lot. And like all these people jumped on Instagram and said, oh, we're so excited to see what you're doing there. You know, and it's it's a it's so cute how wonderful and supportive people are and they're eager to help if you tell them how or if you give them an opportunity to stay connected, which I think has been one of the like loveliest parts of this whole thing. I, to- I totally agree. Yep. And they want they want to see you do well. Do you know, like they want to follow the adventure and see how, how you're going to uh, navigate Berlin. So, of course. It's a vicarious, fun little thing that totally. you can do. Totally. So clean up your Instagram uh, sorry, clean up your LinkedIn, tell people as soon as you can, blab about it on Instagram. I've been a big fan of putting stuff on Instagram stories so it doesn't make your feed like a mucked up, you know, bunch of terrible boxes and papers <laughs> and what am I doing? You can still share it. Um, but like get the narrative going so that people mm-hmm. can connect with you and think, you know, so you're top of mind in terms of reaching out with opportunities and networking connections. Definitely. And then um, another tip, and I think this is just a, a tip for making the move possible, is to just save as much money as, as you can. <laughs> as much, like four times as much as you think. Yeah, yeah, basically. Because <laughs> the, the hidden costs, we'll have a whole episode on money, but the hidden costs are the ones that'll get you. Like, oh, it's this much to fly there. But if you want to bring your pets, it's this much more. And if you want to bring a second suitcase, it's this much more. And, you know, all of these little things add up. So 
stop eating out now enjoy cooking in and every time you stay in think this is getting me closer to my move which really helped us for the last couple of years of really cutting down and getting ready yeah i would agree um i think that you whatever you budget or um whatever you think you're gonna need you're definitely going to need more than that and um like don't assume you're going to get a job right away you know like that's i think the kind of the thing that you really like especially um depending on where you're moving things can take longer um and like we didn't realize that people in ireland basically like things just shut down in august and here i was like sending out a ton of resumes and like making phone calls and not ever connecting with anyone and then as soon as it was September 1st I started getting like all these replies and people were were reaching out again and I was like oh right everyone's like vacationing and on holiday in August they so. actually have a work-life balance in yeah Europe. it's Who crazy knew? they take time off and do stuff I know it's amazing crazy yeah so that's that's something that like um you know it was just it felt like things were not obviously I wanted them to move faster than they were and so knowing that we were okay financially helped to ease some of that strain I would say as a general comment that the pace if you're an American I'm not as sure about Canada but definitely if you're an American the pace that you're used to in terms of finding out about a job interviewing for the job, getting the job, and starting the job is way more compressed in the U.S. than it is pretty much anywhere else in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, in Germany, if you give notice that you're going to leave a job, you have to work the rest of the quarter. That's the level of notice you're supposed to give. And if you give notice like two weeks before the end of a quarter, then they're expecting that you stay the rest of the following quarter. Like you basically have to give at least three months notice in a job in Germany. So by contrast, if somebody is leaving a job and they know they have to fill it, they know three months before that person even leaves that that opening is coming up. Therefore, they can post an interview for it, but they don't need you next week like they do in the US. It's not two weeks notice. You actually have a contract. It's in your it's in your favor because the worker is far more protected. Um, they can't just say you're out with with two weeks notice or you can't get laid off with like, hi, here's your stuff. You're walking to the parking lot now and it's over. That doesn't really happen there so much. So that's the positive side. But the frustrating side is that it can take a lot longer to go from interview to go to second interview to go to, yes, we, we want you to come in. That can take months. Um, and it's not because you're not a good candidate. It's just because that's how it works. It's definitely something I had to get used to because I was, you know, just of the American mindset, like, like we're going to get this done. Let's go. It's going to happen quickly. We're going to make a phone call. You like the whole thing. And you really have to sort of, um, yeah, play the longer game and be patient. And it's, it can be hard, especially when you're applying for many jobs. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I think that's happened with, um, with my husband's job search, who's looking in sort of a more similar industry to yours. He's... They wanted to get in touch right away, talked right away, but then it was like, okay, everybody's on vacation over the summer. We're going to talk to you in like a month and the jobs are still there. We're still, you're still in the running, but just that's not something that happens in the U.S. If you're still in the running, it's not like we'll talk to you in a month. That's not something that happens, (laughs) but it is something that happens in Europe. And once you're in, you'll appreciate that balance, but it is hard at the beginning. I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, things just take more time, and it's just a little slower. 
The other thing I love that you said in our notes is your theory that you should apply like a mediocre white guy. This is in particular for women who are listening. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a mediocre white guy, continue to apply as yourself. But for... <laughs> For other, for women especially, like I, I don't, this is not an, an original of mine. I read this someplace and I don't know where, but it was basically like women, we, we sell ourselves short. And so I just sort of started adopting this mantra that I was, if I was qualified for one of the things they listed, I'd be like, ah, oh, sure, I'll give it a go. Right? Like, I can. Yeah, they said that basically women, and I think I read the same thing as you, and I can't remember where I read it either. So, we're really great hosts at providing the source material. Maybe we can dig it up. But that women wouldn't apply for a job unless they were like 80 to 90% qualified for it. But men would apply for a job if they were like 25% qualified. They're like, sure, why not? And then, and, and women are, are, you know, really likely to do well because they're so hard on themselves and we're culturally kind of conditioned that you have to be perfect in terms of doing the job. But I agree. Like if you think, well, I could do that. That sounds pretty good. Just apply for it. Like yep. who are you hurting? Nobody. The worst thing that happens is that they won't reply to you. Yep. And so, yeah, and I, I am a, just a firm believer that the whole job search, the whole process is about numbers and like the more resumes you get out there and the more traction and momentum you start building, I think people pick up on that and you get involved with this like special job seeker energy. And, you know, like you don't, you can't just put out one or two resumes here and there and think that that's going to create the kind of volume that you're going to need to actually find a job. Like it takes, I probably sent out hundreds of of resumes and applied for so many jobs. And it was just like, oh, sure, this one sounds interesting. I think I could do that. Oh, huh, I've never done this, but there's this certain word in the title and I have done that thing before. So let me try. And it. Yeah. And yeah. think of the sort of novelty factor of being from somewhere else, bringing different knowledge, and hopefully you're moving into an industry that will appreciate that knowledge. And, and just trust that, like, if this is really what you want to do, you can make it happen. It's just. I mean, you've been able to make it happen within your own country. It's just adding some X factors. And mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's worth it personally. As long as you have enough savings that you're not having a panic attack all day, every day, then as you said, you get there and then your job until you get a job is to find a job. Yep. And That's it definitely job. it definitely feels like a job. Like there were days when I was just like, Oh my God, I have to like I, I'm talking to this recruiter and uh, like you just – you get so tired of talking about yourself, you know, because you're constantly in interview mode. Um, but it's like it's where you have to be if you want to actually find a job. But I think it also in the end – and I'm sort of aspirationally thinking this at this point – is that it makes you, I think, appreciate the result that much more. This is a really weird story to illustrate this. However, when I was in college, we really wanted to watch The Shining, and I'm going to date myself really badly. We went to the video store and rented a VHS tape of The Shining when I was in college. This is how we watched movies at that point. There used to be whole whole stores. Millennials are like bleeding out of the ears as I say this. Yes. And the actual tape inside of the cassette broke when we put it into the VHS player because those things wore out because they got played a lot. And so we, we all said, no, no, we will not give up on this dream. The video store was closed. There was no way we could exchange it. It was like 11 o'clock at night. We're going to watch this movie. So we 
deconstructed the tape. Somebody sacrificed their pinky and shoved it in to hold the thing open. We got some tweezers. We pulled it out. We got some scotch tape. We taped it back together. And then we put the tape back together. We put it in and it worked. And I'm telling you, that was the most satisfying movie watching experience I have ever had. So just think that applying for this job is like taking that video cassette apart. And it may take more steps and more ingenuity and more MacGyver kind of put it together. But you're going to be so psyched. It's true. When you work there. Yeah. And it it might require scotch tape. But you know what? It's fine. Every You'll find the scotch tape and you'll fix it and you'll make it happen. And then you should tell us about it because we yes. want to hear. Please yes. tell us about it. Yes. So I hope this was helpful. We're going to talk more about these topics um, in speci- you know, specifics. Oh, the other thing we just wanted to throw out there, which will be a separate episode, is you'll want to talk to your tax person about... Um, what you're going to do. Because if you are not giving up your citizenship in your country, which you won't be able to for a while, you have to go through a path of it, there are tax consequences to making money in another country. So just make sure you talk to your tax person about what those consequences are. Um, neither of us are tax experts, but we know that you need to not try to evade the tax man. So yes. we'll have more episodes also about um, working not in the currency of the country that you're moving to, like doing freelance work from, say, your home country or even a third country. Um, I think that's something that we'll talk about in another episode. But just know that that's another option that we'll talk about also. Yes. And in terms of the tax bit, um, there are a lot of professionals out there who can help you with this very thing. So You should talk to them and not try to do it on your own. Yes, exactly. This this will cause pain and suffering for everyone involved if you don't. yet more reasons to save money. Um, So we want to thank you for listening. We hope this was helpful. And then you can get in touch with us um, in the show notes. And you can also reach out to me at Caro Donahue on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, Those are the main places that I hang out. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. you can find Tara. I'm terrible on Twitter. And then I am terrible on Instagram. I am terrible. Not just terrible. I am terrible. It was taken. Anyway. Uh, I know. I know. But we, this has been fantastic. Finding a job uh, is sort of the big scary thing that uh, people think is going to be the biggest challenge in moving overseas. And I think it's the, it's the thing that can really enable you to have this fantastic new adventure. So don't be scared. Don't be scared. You can do it. Yep. We're right there with you. Yep. Get the feck out. Get the feck out. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to GTFO Pod. For show notes, links, and other fun things, head to gtfopod.com. You can stay in touch with us on social media with the hashtag GTFO Pod. See you next time.